Welcome to The Natural You. I'm Tim Wood. This is the third installment of the highlights from seasons one and two. To start, we have the wonderful Hannah, a sex therapist and counselor, talking about intimacy. The natural progression from intimacy and sex is, of course, a chat with Paula, a midwife and hypnobirthing instructor. To round this off, we have Susan, a psychologist and play therapist, teaching us about how to support children's mental and emotional development and well-being. If you want to dive deeper into any of these episodes, I've included the links to each of these in the show notes. Enjoy. I guess that's always been a, an awareness in, in this industry of what influences are porn having. And I guess what comes to mind is when we, we, we were talking earlier on about how we're sort of overstimulated at the level of the mind, mm. that busyness. And we are an overstimulated culture, I believe. And so when we're thinking of porn and it's really done in that overstimulated um, way where as we're more overstimulated, we actually lose connection with us with the rest of the senses, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it is a very hedonistic, head ego orientated um, influence that we're getting rather than working with the senses on what does that feel like? What does that sound like? Mm-hmm. And of course, that again, then encourages us to slow down to hear those sounds to feel those feelings and touches etc so i am not surprised that porn and alike have got such a strong hold and influence now because indeed we're we're addicted to that level of stimulation i believe okay so that ties in with your earlier addicted work addiction work mm. is is so is the remedy for that to bring in the other senses and so are there some kind of is there like a, i'm going to say a recipe <laughs> mm-hmm. but is there is there some kind of not protocols but some ideas you can give couples to help bring back some intimacy into that and and mm-hmm. and what would be what would be ideas that that in a safe way for people to explore that Sure. Well, some of it comes back to the old-fashioned stuff, mm. you know, whining and dining. And I don't mean you have to drink wine and dine, <laughs> but it, it is, you know, like let's put some music on, let's change the lighting, mm. let's not put the telly on straight away, let's allow each other to come in from work, you do you, I'll do me, you know, then we meet on the sofa and kind of connect at the same energy, like the same frequency, so to speak, how was your day? Look at each other in the, in the eyes. Dress mm. nicely, even to sit on the sofa. Keep your phone in the other room and be really present with each other. Try and see each other like you did from in the beginning, yeah. you know, making that little extra effort that we, 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 we forget and we, we get busy and we take it for granted. Um, I guess that would be one thing. And then more so in, in psychosexual practices, we do work with something called sensate focus. So couples that, you know, perhaps are coming up with some lack of arousal, lack of desire or any other of the issues that we mentioned earlier on, that slow it down, start, start from the beginning again and sort of re, relearn what, what touch is good and what touch isn't so, so good for you, mm-hmm. um, getting to re-explore. And again, it requires us to slow down. <laughs> so this is why it's so easy to avoid. And 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 listening, listening and sharing. Yeah. So, sharing. like, 
if there is, it's like what touch is good, mm. express that maybe, mm. and what touch isn't good, express that. You know, um, I wonder if the you know if that obviously plays a role. So yeah. changing the setting the mood, right? Setting the mood, indeed, and also feeling that you can be asked. You know, somebody says, how, you know, your partner asks you, how, how, you know, how are you feeling? How are you doing? That you feel that you are going to be heard and vice versa. And, and I see that often what has got lost along the line is communication, feeling that, that I can say how I'm feeling without him rolling his eyes or her rolling her eyes going, oh, yeah, but I'm really tired for this conversation right now. Because actually that shuts the, that person down, that nervous system down, and that goes into that lower region. Again, it's just this kind of contraction. I find a lot of people aren't aware of that the men have andropause, which is essentially their menopause. And and I think that's even more or less spoken about and taboo than the menopause. And so it's this kind of sneaky thing that just sneaks up on you and then you're just meant to deal with it in the moment. But indeed, it is hormonal related. And I, I suspect as well from Could you just, sorry, just to interrupt, can you, just before we go into that, can you just give us some of the the kind of things that might show up for men in that mm, way, of sort course. of symptoms as it were, or pictures that might, uh, yeah. things that might happen to guys. Yeah. So I guess chemistry changes in terms of their internal chemistry and testosterone will go lower and that generally activates a sense of, um, you kind of relate it to being a bit more grumpy and indeed it will potentially change the physiological function of, of the man. And that has a, you know, a real escalating um, impact when it's new territory and communication is, hasn't been as great uh, as it could have been in the last few years, let's say, and or focus has been on kids and, and earning and providing, etc., that then men are meant to be all vulnerable and go, oh, hang on a minute, how am I meant to find a, a language to speak about this, my masculine self? How would we differentiate natural versus unnatural? So natural is the ones who have someone gave birth with no assistance, basically all by themselves um, or very little, like only a midwife, some position, some stuff. Then assisted, uh, assisted birth uh, or more medicalized is when we intervene. So it could be by an induction of labor. So we want the lady to go into labor early with or without reasons, but that's happening. So then they start the cascade of interventions. When you start with one, you open the Pandora box and mm. anything can happen. Um, it's the difference between natural and normal birth. So we stop using the normal birth because, well, in some countries, normal could be. If you go to Brazil, the C-section rate is higher wow. because it's the normal for them. They just mm. rather have a C-section than go naturally. Um, and go through the whole process. But natural is more like we allow the body to do it. So because our society is changing, we as women have changed. So we have babies later for whatever reason. It could be because we, we work longer. We need more um, status, like we need to, to have money, a job and things to support. Mm, a career. A, child, and, a yeah, career, yeah. things. So that might delay when we have... Um, babies so all that can bring other risk factors into the the matter so that's when things can change so we try always to kind of 
set up a list to say to say, okay, what are your risk factors? We divide it in low risk, middle risk, or high risk. I don't like the word risks because it implies mm. that something bad is happening. It's more the chances. But at some point, we need to, in order to offer the options for the yes. moms and the families, we need to start with that. And then we I need to be informed. Exactly. That, that's a big issue, being informed correctly. My mom used to used to politely say, oh, that lady has uh, childbearing hips. Yeah. Um, so it, it does the shape or the size of a woman's pelvis um, make any difference to the, her ability to give natural childbirth? It's very difficult unless it's someone who has an accident or some deformities that it, might, it shouldn't be because we are designed for that and it's a whole process. It's not like the mother is the one who does all the job. It's a teamwork. It's a hormone. So we need to understand this first before we can discuss anything. So it's a teamwork. The baby is also an active part of, of the birth. It's, it's amazing the way baby bear down the canal, as I call it, so all the pelvis, how it needs to move. And it has to happen, these movements, but it has to go in, I don't know, in harmony, harmony with, with the mom. So the problem we have now is, as a society, we change. So firstly, before we, we used to be just with our community, so we never mix much. So now you can have someone from, uh, I don't know, uh, South Africa with someone with, with Chinese origin. So kind of different. So the mix in there might create some issues. So you, so the so that would that be the size of a baby? You have a really, yeah, so, perhaps the dad's this big strapping yeah. African dude and you've got this small Chinese lady yeah. and now she's growing, you know, this this baby and it's, probably pretty large compared to if she was having a Chinese. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, the body is very clever. So it, you, I always tell my moms, I'm very funny when I talk to patients, so it's more clear. They understand. It's like you're growing a baby, not an elephant. So if your baby's ready, it will deliver early when it's ready. Okay, it's not going to grow increasingly. The problem is now we, we focus our attention to a handmade system. So someone designed a machine, and it's give you an estimated weight, estimated uh, whatever uh, for the baby, measurements for the baby, and we stuck to that. The estimated weight could be uh, 500 grams up or down. So that's a huge difference between telling a woman, your baby is 3.5 kilos, sorry, I still work on kilos, let's say 4 kilos or 3 kilos. So it's a huge difference in there. So we need to understand that. And also we we... Each woman is different. We are all different. So we're going to deliver in different gestations. That's why you cannot say, it's like telling women, okay, you pass the 40 weeks, the baby spies, it's the due by dates, like the food. It's not like that. So when you have and that, a, just, yeah. And that just creates fear, right? Exactly. It's like, oh, so I'm that's constantly, exactly. I'm early. Exactly. I remember I feel that myself. As you know, my husband is very tall and um, I'm not even five foot. Uh, so then I was thinking, oh, I should think about that before thinking of having babies with you. So my belly was eh, rather big for my size, but it was perfect for me. Before we move on to our next guest, a quick plug for our event. 
Hey everybody, this is Destiny. Just going to let you know about the amazing event that Tim and I hold at my office, Destiny Chiropractic, Westmalling in Kent in the UK. It's called Connect and Ascend and is your chance to connect with lots of like-minded people. We have a great itinerary. We do change work, we do breath work, we meditate, we do ice bath immersion, we have some fabulous food um, and and it is your chance to let go of old stuff and ascend to a higher level of consciousness. We hope you can join us. For those wanting to sign up, the dates for the Connect and Ascend event are 24th to 25th of November. Registration links and details are in the show notes. Technology, which is consuming so much of children's time that they are forgetting that um, essence of play, which we call play is the language of a child. But as they start getting into late um, 12, 13-year-olds, they don't really want to play the way we see it, but they're interacting with people. So it moves more from maybe frivolous, playful games that don't necessarily have a meaning consciously to engaging with people. Uh, But there I find that because children aren't actually socializing as much and it's all being done over digital and social media, the children are learning, of, are not learning the social nuances, the subtle things about relationships. So I would say that um, that would be one of the big factors in losing touch with our playfulness. Because it's when you're in contact with somebody and you feel your energy or you give them a little punch like that or you're making a dough and touch, touch is what elicits that. And being in close proximity is where people start opening up. And that is why if children grow up in an environment where they feel safe, and that's emotional safety more than, well, physical counts, absolutely. But emotional safety, they're going to be able to be themselves. But as soon as children have been exposed to trauma and they either do not feel safe or they are unsafe people in their environment, they're living in a permanent state of fight, flight or freeze. And that is hugely detrimental to the development of the brain because we know that the prefrontal cortex, which governs all executive functioning and emotional control and emotional awareness, that is only finished developing between 18 and 25 years old. 18 to 25, that late, wow. Yes, a lot of people don't realize it is that late. And that is why we have to be so incredibly cognizant and mindful of what we are allowing into our children's lives, minds, um, in their, their spaces where they operate, where they're supposed to be safe. So a lot of children carry a lot of shame and guilt, which becomes their inner voice, their inner persecutor. You're bad. You're always making mistakes. You can never do anything right. No one will ever love you. And those inner voices are your wounding. So trauma is stored in the right-hand side of your brain. That's the limbic system. And their art, it's everything creative, is how you process that trauma. So creative activities, that's why music is so powerful. That's why um, being creative is so powerful. And being in creation is so healing as well because they've actually, they've actually taken inner city 
kids and, and adults that have, there's just concrete everywhere. There's hardly any green. They never get to be in touch with proper nature. And the depression rates are huge and high and anxiety. And they take those individuals and they take them to an area, rural area or a coastal area, and they allow them to commune in nature. And depression is alleviated, if not completely gone. Depression levels, I mean, anxiety levels totally start um, decreasing. So it really is, there is power in nature to heal. Just sitting and watching the waves and that continual movement or, or walking and watching a sunset or a sunrise or hearing the, the nature, seeing the seasons um, playing out. There's so much of life in that. So, the, so just being in nature is being in a creative, a constantly creative and recreative space. And that accesses the creative element within the person's psyche and within their brain and, and then brings a calming influence. Absolutely. So to begin your work would first have to become aware. That would be the first, and that is a lot of self-work. That's a good place for all of us to to start at any stage, really, is awareness of what am I thinking, um, and then and then perhaps you say the next step is uh, how what is how am I feeling with that? What's the thought, and then what's the feeling, and then you go to behaviors. And I'm just wondering for people who don't have a behavior as such or not an observable behavior. Um, uh, we we talk about some work in in body in body work as as embodiment. So so some of that is it possible that if you don't have the behavior that that has an effect somewhere else in the body. So so maybe it's a tension in in your shoulders. So it's not a behavior as such, but it's certainly represented as something in your body. Is that possible? Hundred percent. Thanks for listening. If you want to listen to the full episodes, I've left links to all three original episodes in the show notes. Remember to check out the Connect and Ascend event that Destiny and I are running in November. Next week, we'll have more highlights from another three guests. Until then...